All right, and we are live, I believe. Uh, I think we need to turn off the AC. Oh, I thought I did. No, I Sorry. Good call, darling. Again, as I like to call us, we are the least professional show on YouTube. I'm toxic, she's masculine. Together we are toxic masculinity. And today is April 20th, the day Over justice... Dogecoin. The what? Joking. The day of Dogecoin, yeah. The day of Dogecoin and the day justice died in America. Um, I did not have a doubt that it was going to happen, but I thought they would have some mercy on him, but they, uh, well, he he had like three murder degrees and they all been... Yeah, he three uh, Guilty, counts. three. Well, uh, so... Let's talk about the Chauvin thing a little bit. This is this is story number one. I don't have an article to read. I just want to present to you my reaction on this. Now, this is something that I, I had a live stream on Mr. Reagan. Probably many of you saw that. Um, but I want to reiterate what I said on that show, which was that well, there's a couple things. One, this was very obviously a miscarriage of justice. Um, I'm not sure exactly how this happened. To me, it was very obvious that the man was, <clears throat> he was trained to use this particular restraint on difficult suspects, people that were being arrested, resisting arrest. Uh, so Derek Chauvin restrained George Floyd in a manner that he was trained to restrain people. I don't know how you could possibly claim that restraining somebody in that way, as you were trained, could be considered murder especially when the man very clearly and obviously overdosed on a variety of drugs, including, I think it was three times the legal dose, the lethal, the legal dose, the lethal dose of fentanyl. He had like three times the lethal do dose of fentanyl. Three times the lethal dose of fentanyl in his system or something like that. It might've been more than three times, but um, yeah, the guy obviously overdosed on drugs. There was a cop that was restraining him. The other cops were not telling this cop, oh, you're killing him, get off him. Mm -hmm. You know, they were casually walking around, observing what was going on. They didn't seem to think there was any kind of a problem. They seemed to think this guy was following protocol. How this ever got to court is beyond my comprehension. I mean, other than the fact that they were uh, essentially strong-armed into it by the woke mob... And the only explanation that I have as to the guilty verdict is the pressure from the woke mob. Now, what was extra disappointing to me was that I was watching this on Fox News, and Fox News lost a lot of credibility um, after the election because they just accepted the results as bizarre as they were. They accepted those results as valid, sort of unquestioningly, which annoyed the hell out of me. Seems to me that Fox does seem to have some kind of an interest in trying to subvert the rage of conservatives. There is this perception about conservatives that we're all a bunch of racist barbarians and at the slightest hint of injustice, we're all going to go out murdering everybody, right? And so they want to sort of tamp down on any kind of <clears throat> sense of injustice or, uh, you know, any kind of, anything that might outrage conservatives, they'll, they'll try to suppress that, right? 
Um, <laughs> Organic Robot said, did I miss the intro? All right, we're, we'll go ahead and throw in the intro. All right, here you go. Toxic masculinity. All right, yes, this is Toxic Masculinity, and I am talking about the Chauvin trial. And look, um, again today, the Fox News folks, uh, you know, they, the five was on when, when, the, when the verdict was read. And every member of the five said that this was the justice system, system in America working. No, this was a miscarriage of justice. This was the justice system not working, and I would... I would particularly like to focus on Greg Gutfeld's reaction to the trial, which I think was horrific. Greg Gutfeld said the following, and I'm paraphrasing. He said that he he believes that Chauvin was guilty, which I think is ridiculous. But he said that even if he didn't believe Chauvin was guilty, he would have liked to see a guilty verdict. And the reason he said that was because he doesn't want to see any more rioting. This is infuriating to me. Greg Gutfeld has been manipulated by domestic terrorists into doing what the terrorist mob wants. You do not give in to terrorists. You know why you don't give in to terrorists? Because terrorists then learn a lesson. The lesson they learn is that terrorism works. If I go ahead and terrorize the American people, they'll do what I want. And they'll continue to terrorize the nation. And more terrorists will come along. And they'll terrorize the nation. It's just like the immigration policy. You open up the borders, you invite illegal aliens to come across without consequence, and what do you get? More illegal aliens coming across. You say, oh, we're humanitarian. We're we're letting them in because we're nice people. That's not the limit of illegal aliens who will come over if you invite them. If you tell them it's okay what you've done, breaking our laws, you can come right on in. It doesn't stop with those ones. You've just invited 10 times a hundred times, a thousand times more to come in. You have to understand incentives to be a politician or to even think about politics in any sensible way. Uh, Yankee the Rebel says, I don't know if the left is trying to subvert rage from the right. Every Everything the left does just causes rage on the right. Yeah, I'm not talking about leftists. I'm talking about like Fox News. Uh, I don't think leftists care about right-wing rage. Well, they do to some degree, and I'll tell you why. Leftists, leftist media organizations never show black men assaulting white people, right? Or murdering white people. They will always show every instance of a white person killing a black person. Every time that happens, that's on the news 24-7 for like a week. But anytime a black person murders a white person, it's covered up. It's not shown. I have a, I have a, a video that's popular right now about a, uh, a black woman that murdered... Um, a three-year-old white girl is a big black woman. She was actually kind of famous. She had won a a cooking show called like Worst Cooks in America or something like that. And so she was somewhat famous. So this should have been a story across the news, you know, around the world, actually, to some degree. Should have been everywhere. A, a somewhat famous black woman adopted. So she adopted these little white kids, right? A sister and two brothers. And the little girl was three years old, adorable little girl. And she beat her to death. An unbelievably horrific story. Should have been front page news. Should have been on every single... But they, the thing is, these, these news agencies, they think that white people are racist and there's going to be some kind of like murder in the streets. We're going to start lynching black people. right? And so they don't cover it. 
and Fox News is the same. Oh, the Chauvin trial showed that Chauvin was guilty. Justice was done today. No, it effing was not. Justice was not justice was not served. Justice was not done. There was no justice here. Okay, this is an injustice. This is a miscarriage of justice. Uh, it's despicable. It's awful, and it's terrible. Um, if you guys want to comment on that, uh, feel free to. Um, but I think we're gonna move on to the next story. I think I've I said you know I I spent a over an hour live streaming about that. So if you want to see everything I have to say about that, you can go over to my live stream on Mr. Reagan, watch that video. Um, but let's move on maybe to the next story. What do we think, Valeria? It'll be story number two. Don't read story number one, because I think story number one is about the Chauvin thing. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to story number two. And I'm going to switch over to Valeria so that you can see... My beautiful wife, while she reads the headline. Darling? Study. White liberals more likely to have mental health problems. <laughs> Surprising. Yeah. So we often say that leftists are crazy. Now we have scientific proof that that's because true. If you wouldn't have a, a mental health problem, you would be Republican. Well, that's right. That's right. I think that's true. Um, well, I guess the, I guess it's sort of like a chicken and the egg type thing. Do you, mm-hmm. Does leftist policies attract crazy people or do crazy people uh, or do crazy people like create bad policy? I guess. Right. So like if you believe like so here, here's how I think about it. Right. Um, crazy people believe conspiracy theories. I, we know this, right? I mean, you've talked to people who believe con- like really crazy conspiracy theories before, I'm sure, and you're like, "Whoa, you're crazy!" <laughs> right? I used to have a buddy who uh, did a lot of drugs, and he's now legitimately like in mental institutions. But when we, when I was in college, I would come home uh, back to Oregon, and I would visit him in his house in Portland, and he lived with a bunch of other drug addicts. And these guys were always just spouting the craziest conspiracy theories, and I just thought like. You guys are all flipping crazy, you know. And uh, anyway, these are the kind of people that vote Democrat. Uh, and now we know this for sure based on uh, based on a study that somebody did. And it's and it's actually fantastic to read because the disparity between a mental illness in conservatives and mental illness in in uh, liberals is is intense. I mean, it's significant. Um, but let's go ahead and read this article here. This is proof that leftists are, in fact, crazy. It's not just our imagination. White liberals more likely to have mental health problems, study shows. Um, let's see here. White liberals are significantly more likely than other groups to have a mental health condition. Liberals in general, actually. It's not just white liberals, but white white liberal women in particular are like, whoosh. I mean, it's like over 50% of white liberal women. And who runs the Democrat Party? White liberal women. Now, let's see here. White liberals are significantly more likely than other groups to have mental health con- uh, a mental health condition, according to a Pew Research Center survey. The Pew, the Pew survey, which the Washington Free Beacon uh, notes was published last year, but only uh, gained attention in a recent article, showed that white liberals of all ages are more likely to be diagnosed with a mental health condition than moderates or conservatives, with a disparity particularly pronounced among those aged 18 to 29, according to Eve magazine. Uh, Evie magazine? Evie? Yeah, it's not just female leftists, it's young female leftists specifically. Like, young female leftists in their 20s are crazy. <laughs> That's a bit, according to this study. 
Among young white liberals, that would be 18 to 29 white liberals, uh, just generally, 46 reported being diagnosed with a mental health condition, a rate much higher than young white moderates, 26%, and far higher than young white conservatives at 21%, which I think is still actually pretty high, but young people, I think... I think the deal is that it's become kind of popular to go to like a psychiatrist or a, psych- a psychologist and go get diagnosed with a mental condition. I think this has become a trend. To get so, marijuana? No. Yeah, maybe. No, I think it's less about getting marijuana, although I think I think that's probably true too to to some degree. But like there was a shooter at some point, a shooter uh who had killed like a bunch of people. And he was definitely a leftist. And his his girlfriend gave an interview where she said that the reason that they were dating was because they both suffered from mental illness and they were talking, you know, and they, they connected over their mental illness. And like she was talking about mental illness as if it was like a badge of honor. So there is a kind of a weird trend among young people to be mentally ill. It's kind of weird, but especially among young leftists. So this this data may be skewed a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in, in the sense that uh, it's it's actually considered to be a positive thing to be to have a mental illness or be diagnosed with one. And I think it has something to do with being a victim, I think is a popular thing now. So if you, have, if you suffer from mental illness, you can claim vi- victim status, right? Like, well, if you're straight and you're white, um, then you don't have any, you don't suffer from any societal um, victimization. So then you say, well, I, I suffer from mental illness. It's hard to dispute that. And then people can say, then you can say, oh, I'm a victim of society and society doesn't, you know, rejects me because I have a mental illness or something. So you get that victimization status. Uh, But also, I I think that there's something about, like, I think this stems from this idea back in the 90s where people were were like, oh, I I go to my psychiatrist, I go to my therapist. People were like all about going to their therapist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that was, that had something to do with this idea that like, we all suffer from mental illness. And then but if you don't go to a therapist, you're not dealing with it, and therefore you're in some kind of denial about that, and so therefore you're not you're not like self reflective, and so you're not uh, <laughs> you know you're basically just in denial, and you're not like a, as good of a person as me because I I recognize my psychological problems and I'm trying to work on them. Mm-hmm. I think so. That was the idea, and that it was just kind of like ignored the idea that some people might just not suffer from mental illness. Um, and so there was all these people that were like, "I got to my therapist like twice a week." Uh, it was just weird. So you have these trends of seeing therapists and working on your issues. You have a trend of being a victim, uh, and so I think these things combined produced a trend of being mentally ill is actually a good thing for a lot of young people. So I think that these uh, statistics might be skewed. But at the uh, you know, on the other hand, are you perfectly mentally healthy if you think having a mental illness is a good thing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. So maybe this is accurate after all. The Pew study, which the Washington Free Beacon notes was published last year. Okay. I read that. Okay. Broken down by ideological identification to an even greater extent, young white people who identify as very liberal were were almost one and a half times more likely to report mental health problems than those who identified merely as liberal. So the further left you get, the crazier you get. Uh, the study also showed that young white females who identified as liberal or very liberal were significant. Okay, were by significant margins the most likely to report mental health diagnoses. 
at 56% compared to 28% of young moderate women and 27% of young conservative women. But this gets even crazier when you talk about men, because if you look at very liberal uh, females, uh, sorry, young, very liberal young females, so 18 to 29 females, it's 56%. So it's over half. So 29... 29 women age and uh 18 to 29 years old it's super young yeah well not super young <laughs> older than you <laughs> uh and uh and and very liberal women you get 56 percent. but if you look at 18 to 29 and this is just 18 to 29 uh it's the disparity is true across all age groups but specifically 18 to, uh, to 29 um, if you look at men in that age group who are conservatives, you only get 16% of people who have been diagnosed with some kind of mental illness, which I still think is ridiculously high. 16% of conservative males? That seems too high to me. But anyway, 16% versus 56%. So men of this age group who are conservative uh, are 16% You know, of them have been diagnosed with some kind of mental problem mental illness, something like that. And then females of the same age group who are very liberal, 56% have been diagnosed. So hugely different. And who runs, who tends to dominate the Republican Party? White men. And actually older white men. And older white men make up, have an even lower percentage. I, I don't have it here, but their percentage is like 7% have been diagnosed with mental illness, something like that. So you have the most sane people in our society running the conservative party, and you have the most insane portion of the population running the Democrat party. I mean, who pushes the Democrat policies? People like AOC, and she's not a white woman, but she's, she is a very liberal woman. And it's these very liberal women who are in the media, you know, who are pushing these leftist ideas... You know, they're in academia pushing these leftist ideas. So these young, very leftist, very liberal women are running the Democrat Party. And conservative men are, are tend to run the Republican Party. The most sane group versus the most insane group. This is what we're dealing with in America. It's completely, it's just, I mean, it's what we constantly say on the show. You know, it's, it's constantly what... Conservatives are always saying, like, look at these crazy leftists. I produce a video for Mr. Reagan, for my Mr. Reagan channel, called something like, you know, crazy leftist moments of the week or something like that. I I can't remember what I call it. Well, weekly meltdown. Yeah, the weekly meltdown. And and I don't produce it weekly because I don't have time. But yeah, I just collect crazy leftists doing crazy leftist things and saying crazy leftist things. And I put it in a little video with a funny soundtrack and it's one of my most popular things that I produce for Mr. Reagan because, and and it's it's true. It's a true reflection of the left. I mean, they they are nuts, you know. Uh, so this guy who who tweeted about this, Zach Goldberg, and here's his tweets here oh, somewhere. Yep, here's the tweets here if you want to look at them. Um, yeah, you can go ahead and go onto his Twitter and look those up if you want. See, check out all the graphs. Those are a lot of fun. Well, he he posted a lot of, about this. This is, a, again, from Pew, though. This is not from this guy. It's from Pew. But this guy wrote about it, put a, put a bunch of graphs there, and he wrote, I didn't write this thread to mock white liberals or their apparent, apparently disproportionate rates of mental illness, and you shouldn't either, said Zach Goldberg. Yeah, leave that to me and my weekly meltdown videos. <laughs> um, 
the doctoral candidate who consolidated the study's information in a series of visuals and posted them to Twitter. Rather, this is a question that's unexplored and which may shed light on the attitudinal differences uh, toward various social policies. In examining Goldberg's thread, Evie Magazine's Elizabeth Condra argued that building resiliency against hardship is the best weapon against depression and anxiety, yet progressive ideologies force its followers to wallow in feelings of helplessness and victimhood. Instead of empowering women and minorities with self-knowledge, strength, and character, the resilience to hardship progressivism, uh, sorry, and resilience to hardship progressivism, on the other hand, encourages victims to stay in place, stay in a place of fear and helplessness. She didn't say that the way I would have said it, but <laughs> I 100% agree with her. Condra stressed that white individuals are usually at the forefront of these movements, whether or not they are... They are the group being adversely affected, but observe that white guilt and savior narratives are pretty much as bad as any genuinely racist agenda because it robs the very group that they're trying to help of their own voice. And worse than that, it's based on false perceptions of the world. And this is from, of course, the Newsmax website, which is probably the best, the best news network we have in America. Uh, of course, I always say that uh, Sky News Australia is the best news network in America. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's it for that. Uh, what do you have to say about this, darling? I know you have uh, a lot of strong feelings about leftists and how crazy they are. That's a crazy lady. Um, it's a good question, Well, I think if you will compare crazy people with crazy leftists... Uh, agenda uh-huh. they're just basically collecting all the crazy people and I guess there's more crazy people than normal people in America <laughs> well at least on the Democrat side I'd say probably yeah um, I mean how strong what mm, what exactly are they talking about like how strong this mental health problem yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Because I don't think there is a lot of 100% mental health. People. Right. Having some kind of a mental illness could just be like you're mildly depressed. I mean, it could be. There's a lot of different things that it could As mean. a Russian, I think I can 100% say that I have a mental... <laughs> mental <laughs> mental problems? <laughs> because I lived 19 years in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> You've been traumatized. Yeah. I was traumatized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like to keep see, her in I'm the not, shadows. See, you know? I'm not smiling just like my face. Like. Yeah, yeah. Your face doesn't have the smile muscles. Mm-hmm. You have it's to actually, fake it. Actually, yeah, because when when I smile, because so people won't think that I'm suffering. Uh, my muscles, I hurt so much. If I'm smiling like more than an hour, <laughs> she has trouble smiling. That she's she's giving excuses for why she doesn't smile on the show. Uh, you make a great point. I mean, what is mental illness? How do you define it? Uh, uh, but anyway, but people are and people are self-reporting, which may not be a hundred percent accurate, but. Uh, that is the data that they got over at Pew, that, that leftists are crazier than conservative. Fascinating, fascinating study. Um, all right, shall we move on to the next story? Yeah. All right, let's do it. AOC. Racial injustice causes climate change. Yeah, this is another... Okay, speaking of crazy leftists, uh, AOC has claimed... <laughs> that racial injustice has caused climate change. She also cited uh, trampling of indigenous rights. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a little bit crazy. Okay, let's read this article. It's pretty funny. This is on the Daily Caller. 
Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said Tuesday that racial injustice and violation of indigenous rights causes climate change. I, I could read this or I could play it for you. So let's go ahead and just play this here. We also have dozens of new and additional uh, pieces of legislation that adopt a Green New Deal framework that ensures that we can make sure that we create uh, millions of jobs in the United States and advance the cause of racial and social justice. The Green New Deal also, importantly, recognizes the systemic cause of climate change. Because while climate change is a planetary crisis, it is not caused by an environmental or random, uh, it does not have a, a random or environmental genesis. It's not just human caused, it's societally caused. Cli the climate crisis is a crisis born of injustice and it is a crisis born of the pursuit of profit at any and all human and ecological cost. That's right. Which means that we must recognize in legislation that the trampling of indigenous rights is a cause of climate change. The, the trampling of racial justice is a cause of climate change because we are allowing people and we are allowing ourselves to make sure, to, we are allowing folks to deny ourselves human rights and deny people the right to health care, the right to housing and education. So I'm so thrilled. Again, I'm so thankful to each of our, um, our record high level of congressional co-sponsors. All right, so there you go. There's her uh, little leftist craziness. I'm... Um, um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder how long it's going to take for AOC to start criticizing Bitcoin because it uses energy. Yeah, yeah. Le yeah. Like, just tell uh, Bitcoin, about Bitcoin. Okay, Bitcoin is causing climate change. Yeah, I meant to talk about that at the, at the top of the show. Uh, I lost quite a bit of money. <laughs> money from dogecoin uh, uh today because there's a big crash so i was telling everybody yeah you might want to jump into dogecoin you know what i noticed that uh -huh. when everything like yesterday or two days before when everything was like red like all crypto was red yeah doge Bitcoin, was up doge yeah. was like now crypto's going up and doge has yeah. crashed so it's kind of like good thing that dogecoin doesn't depend on bitcoin because right. most of the it's almost the opposite yeah. they follow bitcoin like yeah. bitcoin going yeah. on and maybe a good crashes. maybe a good thing to do is to switch between bitcoin or other alt altcoins and doge because they seem to be inversely proportional yeah but well, but uh but just Valeria... just just hodl yeah hodl, just hodl. Hodl. so My i friend, i just just want to like chris kind of like uh com calm you down or something. yeah yeah my friend she had minus three thousand uh dollars -huh. for a long time before uh -huh. she gained forty thousand dollars on those coins yeah so that's true yeah. just wait yeah yeah that's so so we um we we put a bunch of money into doge and it went way up we had we had made a bunch of money on the fairly small amount that we put in uh, but then we lost all of our gains. But we're back no, down. We didn't well, I, lo I lost all of my gains. I didn't gains. lose anything. <laughs> Did you take out last night? N no. Chris, I bought it at 14 cents. It's no, no, no. I'm saying we lost our gains. No. How can I lose gains right. if I bought it at 14 cents? Well, okay. You don't understand. Okay. Anyway, we lost some Maybe of our like gains. Minus How's that? A, minus a thousand, it's nothing because it's still my problem. It went like this and then it went like this. So we it's lost fine. some of that. Relax. We lost some of that. He's so I don't know why she's being so You're pedantic. So Woman, don't disagree with me. So I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I will beat you. I will beat you. <laughs> 
Look at that stare. That's what I have to deal with during the day if she doesn't agree with me. Um, look, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We lost some money in Dogecoin, but Valeria is confident that it's going to go back up in the next, you know, who knows how long, but it'll take a little while, but it'll probably get back up. I think it'll be pretty quick. She thinks it'll take a little bit longer than I think. I'm just telling you the longer so you will not ask me every day, where do you think it's <laughs> going up? Six years it'll take to go I back up. two months and... Don't ask me for next two but months. But that's, that's not true. That's, it won't take two up. months for it to go back up. But uh, we think it'll go back up. So it's probably a good time to throw in to Dogecoin if you want. Uh, because it was a good one. It was at 28 cents today. <laughs> yeah, that was the best time. But it's still good. I think it'll still go up. So if you want to put it into Doge at some Should point, be. this is the best time to put in because it just it just took a nosedive for some reason. And we're not exactly sure why. Hmm? I, I said we're not exactly sure why. We don't know why Doge uh had a dive today had a big dip yeah nobody seems to know yet but we'll figure it out um but anyway it'll come back up i think uh okay so, but today was supposed to be a big jump like everybody was like today's the day we're gonna make it go to a dollar and then there was a crash and i'm like i, I told think, you we should I take think, out yesterday i think before before a big spike you need to shave people who yeah true true but i said to you on the along. on the 19th cuz they're saying on the 20th is when they want to blow it up i said on the 19th let's take it out do you remember that darling i do not want to take out because i put money on 14 cents it's still 30 yeah but if you take out before a dip then you put in in the dip and you make more money if I put the 26, that means if I could have stayed 14 cents, Chris, I... But do you remember I, me saying to take on on 19th? Of course I remember. Thank you. Who was right? It was me. It was me. <laughs> Look at how mad she is. All right. All right. Sorry. Let's get back into this and talk about how crazy AOC is. Uh, so let me just read a little bit of this article here. Um, the legislation... So she's she's trying to reintroduce the Green New Deal here. That's why she's saying these things. It's just the they said the legislation seeks to uh, mitigate carbon emissions, which would reduce climate change. The American Action Forum reported in 2019. Uh, the legislation includes several proposals, such as universal health care, guaranteed green housing, ensuring all Americans can access food, and a net zero emissions transport system. Basically, we're going to implement socialism, communism, as a way to fight climate change and racial injustice. Which we all know how great communism is for justice. <laughs> that's uh, that's not good at all, in case you were wondering. Uh, the Green New Deal could cost up to... Is she still mad at me? Yeah, look at her. Look at those eyes. Pure anger. Okay, let's hear. The, the, okay, oh, no. You know that hit my knife. Crazy woman. Hold on. See this? See this? This is her happy slash angry toy that she uses to tell me if she's happy or angry. Let's see if I can hit her in the face. Oh, nope. No, couldn't quite. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's see here. Um, don't throw that again. You're going to knock my lights down. Oh, <laughs> I just got the angry face up. Oh, no. Green New Deal could cost up to $93 trillion, according to AAF estimates. Uh, I don't know what the AAF is. A American Action Forum. Uh, with the majority of the cost attributed to universal health care and guaranteed employment. Guaranteed employment. God, just give me a break. Oh, hey, the cat's saying hello, everybody. Hey, Aston. God, so much, so much interference in this story here. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez said that the, ne the Green New Deal addresses the phenomenon and clarified that there isn't an environmental or random reason for the climate change, despite the issue being a planetary crisis. Hey, buddy. What's up? Wanna come up here? Say hi to the people. All right, let's see here. It's not just human cause, it's societally caused. 
Well, you guys saw all that. She's she's just nuts. I mean, she'll say whatever she she thinks is gonna resonate with people. Uh, the truth is, um, Alexander Ocasio Cortez is what's well, funny. That's funny. That's funny. Oh, your little thing. Yeah, that is funny. Uh, Alexander Ocasio Cortez. She's one of the few people. I think in Washington D.C., who I think actually believes the BS that she <laughs> that she says, like then, she has to. If you won't believe that BS that you say, how are you going to be confident? No, no, no. Nancy Pelosi doesn't believe any of the stuff she says. I don't think Biden even knows what he's saying half the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kamala Harris doesn't believe anything that she says. You know, none of these Schiff, uh, Schumer, none of these guys think. None of these guys believe the crap they're saying. They're just saying it because they want votes, they want power, they want money. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's a true believer. And for that, I respect her, actually. Uh, but that's, of course, balanced by the fact that she has such a low intellect that she believes this stuff. So, you know. Spins and roundabouts, as they say. Is it spins? Something like that. In uh, in the UK, I believe that's an expression. All right. Darling. Mm. Beautiful wife. Please read the next story. New York City hospitals plan to offer preferential 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 care for to patients of color. Yeah, and I told I heard, you this. I told you about this before. I the heard show. about this like a week ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, so in New York, they're like, "Oh, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna give preferential treatment to black people because of racism." Yeah, we're gonna be racist because of racism. Hold on, I gotta move my wife's. There we go. Beautiful. All right, let's see here. Woke Medicine comes to New York City. How nonprofits installed a, an activist at a at a top health department post. So this is actually a really serious article. I thought this was going to be kind of funny, like, ha, ha, ha. They're so racist. The left's so racist. This is ridiculous. But, man, they did a good job on this story. This is from Washington Free Beacon. This was written by Aaron. I'm so sorry, Aaron, if you're watching. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Sibarium? I think I got it. I think I got it. It's Latin sounding. Sibarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron Sibarium. I have no idea uh, where you're from. I don't know what that name is, but you're a good writer and a good researcher because this is an awesome story. So let me read you this. Um, it's pretty dire what's happening, uh, but he breaks down exactly how these leftist groups infiltrate the public space and actually... Uh, manipulate public policy into these like crazy leftist insane things. Okay, let's see here. A pair of doctors at uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital last month outlined a pilot program that they said would offer preferential care to patients of color. The proposal published in Boston Review accuses hospitals across the country practicing medical apartheid, something that they said must be addressed through racially, uh, sorry, race explicit interventions. And what that means is they're not going to do anything that's colorblind, non-racial. They're going to specifically target like black people and put them at the front of the line and specifically target white people and put them at the back of the line. They're going to be racist to fight against racism. That's their, that's their position. Um, even though I don't think there is the racism that they're fighting against, so they're just basically being racist for no well, reason. Frank James said you can simply identify as black. <laughs> be transracial I like that alright those uh, those in- interventions may violate civil rights laws and Brigham and Women's Hospital assured the Washington Free Beacon that they are not currently underway at the hospital but that hasn't stopped one of its authors Dr. Michelle Morse 
from moving on up. She is now the chief medical officer of New York City. That's dangerous. That is unbelievably dangerous. All right, let's see here. In her new post, Morse will wield enormous influence over New New York's hospital system, and she has promised to use it to advance health equity. There's that word again, equity, basically Mm -hmm. meaning that we're going to artificially manipulate who gets what in the world because equity isn't in any way creating equal outcomes. They say that it is, but it, it definitely does not. Okay. And the ultimate attempt at equal outcomes is communism. What does that create? It creates a completely unfair system. Valeria, you lived in a country that was once communist. In the communist USSR, were people equal? Did the president live the same way a, a farmer did? No, but I mean, all the regular folks was yeah. Everybody was equally equal, poor, but except the police, oligarchs, police, and the police, uh, politicians. Yeah. they weren't equal. Yeah, so there was a stratum, strat of very rich. Yes, and, and then there was poor. everybody else, which is super poor. Very poor, yeah. yeah. So it creates the most unequal system imaginable, mm-hmm. I think. Probably even worse than uh, like a monarchy. Okay, let's see here. Asked how her office would address apartheid at local hospitals. Morse did not respond to a request for comment. Oh, no, sorry, I missed a bit. Uh, she says, in her new post, Morse will wield enormous influence over New York, uh, New York's hospital system, and she has promised to use it to advance health equity. Part of her job will be serving as liaison between the health department and local media centers, including three she singled out as examples of apartheid. Montefiore, New York Presbyterian, and Mount Sinai. She, uh, okay, so I actually looked these hospitals up because I, I was treated at a hospital in New York for um, a hip... I have a hip replacement. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty, I had a pretty um, vicious thing in my body that tore up my, um, in my hip. And uh, it, like I had no cartilage in my hip. It was just basically bone on bone. Uh, and actually, when the doctor looked at it to, to perform the surgery, he was like, I wasn't sure if I should do it. <laughs> he was like, your hip was so destroyed that I thought it might not actually work. He said, but I did it and it works and everything's great. And and, and, and he he did an amazing job. Um, and I can now run and I can rock climb and I can do all the things I used to do. Of course, I got fat now. So that's my next hurdle. But uh, but I but I found out that none of these were the hospital I went to. I went to the hospital for special surgery, which is actually right across the street from New York Presbyterian. So, but they're not related for some reason. But there's a block of hospitals basically right there. Uh, and I would like to say that um, while looking it up, the doctor that I had, his name is Doctor Edwin Sue. If you ever have to have a hip replacement or a hip resurfacing or something like that, go to New York, get Doctor Edwin Sue. He is literally one of the best in the world. He does all the. Uh, the athletes out there in New York, and uh, he fairly recently. How much did it cost? I mean, I mean, it depends on your insurance and everything. It's very expensive surgery. Expensive. I mean, you would have like co-payment and the rest of yeah, exactly. Not the co-payment, whatever it is. It depends on your insurance. But uh, Christy Brinkley actually got her hip replaced by the same doctor, mm-hmm. and one of the reporters at Good Morning America, I found, did the same thing, and and me. So all famous, important people. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of athletes go to him. He does hundreds of surgeries every year. So he's just like, he just knows exactly what he's doing. Cutting you up and cool. uh, putting some stuff in there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm so much, it's like, it really is like a completely different lifestyle when you're like limping because, you know, every single day, because you can barely walk. 
and then you get this hip replacement. You're like, you know, you feel like the Flash, Superman, you know, leap tall buildings. So I'm part bionic. (laughs) Anybody's asking. Uh, And uh, and yeah, so uh, phenomenal guy. And here's the funny thing about him. I doubt he's a white supremacist. Maybe. I'm not sure. But he is Asian. So uh, fairly unlikely that the guy's a white supremacist or or in in some way, um, you know, creating some kind of apartheid medical system, especially considering that he he uh, repairs the hips of all the NBA players and all the uh, you know, all the other athletes in New York, which I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but most NBA players black. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if everybody knows that, but true. True story. Um, let's see here. So it says she was also named the deputy commissioner for the health uh, center for health and equality. Sorry, center for health and equity and community wellness, a division within New York city health department. There's a division called center for health equity. God, that in itself is terrible. That's how our office would address apartheid at local hospitals. Morse did not respond to a, qu- uh, a request for comment. Morse, uh, Morse's a- a- ascent reflects the larger, trajectory of progressive activism which has migrated from the fringe of academia to the heart of public health bureaucracies and this is where the article gets really really good that this guy's research is fantastic um he says vermont's health department announced this this month that people of color will get first dibs on coronavirus vaccines as part of the state's commitment to health equity that's 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 exactly the opposite of equity choose that's called racism if you're specifically choosing people from particular races to get health care, to get priority health care. That is racism. That's the opposite of equity. It's the opposite of equality. It's racism. Uh, and in December, the Center for Disease Control proposed vaccinating essential workers before the elderly because elderly skew white. We just want to avoid helping white people at all cost. Okay, Morse's march through the institutions from foundations to fellowship and finally top government posts reveals how radicalism has gained uh, gains influence. And this is this is what I'm talking about. This is the brilliant research part. So supported by an incestuous network of left-wing nonprofits that credentialize activists and funnel them into positions of power, activists like Morse use studies funded by those same nonprofits to give their agenda the veneer of scientific credibility. I love that that term. Or he writes a veneer, but it's the same concept. A veneer of scientific credibility. I just, I just love how this guy writes. Uh, and since the nonprofits combine charity with activism, it's easy for them to launder the latter as the former, further insulating them from, uh, from critique. So if you are activists that are also you know, producing some form of charity and charitably giving stuff or helping people out, then it looks like you're a good person, despite the fact that you're actually pushing a dangerous activist agenda. This used to be something that Christians did, right? Christians would go to third world countries and they would preach the gospel of Christianity whilst building a well or whilst mm-hmm. uh, helping to people to, to learn how to farm and stuff like that, which was, I think, a much, much more wholesome approach because they're not teaching something that's dangerous. They're teaching the principles of Christianity, which are beneficial to everyone. These guys are preaching. So they're, they're sort of taking the example of Christians throughout time. We're going to preach the gospel to you whilst we're going to give you some kind of charity. And they're doing it, but we're, they're doing it with evil things, you know, racism, essentially. Um, take Equal Health, which Morse co-founded in 2010 after the 2010 earthquake in Haiti. What began as a support system for Haitian healthcare workers soon became an effort to stem, quote, the miseducation of health professionals on the root causes of illness. The root causes, per the group's website, 
are racism and capitalism. Racism and capitalism are the root causes for uh, illness. People become ill because of capitalism and racism, uh, which it seeks to combat through disruptive pedagogy. Pedagogy, of course, is a, just a different word for education. But they have to. So this is I've, I've mentioned this many times on the show, but this is a, a technique of the left. If they don't want somebody to understand them, they'll use these. They'll, they'll use like big words or they'll use convoluted sentences. Um, they'll state things in a way that's so confusing that you cannot possibly understand it. It's, uh, and the reason that they do this is because if you are explaining something to somebody that actually is wrong, it's actually better for you to sound smart by using esoteric language than it is for you to clearly explain what you mean so that the person understands logically what it is. Because if somebody's impressed by your intellect, but they don't understand what you're saying, they'll just assume you're right. That, that, that's just, that tends to be true much of the time. Because they think, oh, this person's so smart, they're using all this esoteric language I don't understand. They must be smarter than me. I'll just accept what they're saying is true. The left relies on that a lot. So a lot of these people like her, you know, they're writing these, these articles, they're writing these ideas down. Instead of just using common language, like education, they'll use pedagogy because they know nobody knows what that freaking word means, right? Um, and so they're trying to confuse people so that people think they're smart and just believe what they're saying despite the fact that they're wrong because they know they're wrong. Okay. In 2015, Equal Health founded the Social Medicine Consortium, a collective of committed individuals, universities, organizations fighting for health equity. Morse received a $100,000 grant from the Poros Equity Fellowship three years later, Poros being, of course, the billionaire Porge Poros, whose name I cannot say on YouTube or else I will get demonetized. So you can look up Porge Poros and try to figure out who I'm talking about. I'm sure you guys know. Or you can just read this article. It's right here. Um, let's see here. Equity Fellowship three years later to launch the Campaign Against Racism, which is actually a campaign for racism against white people. A network of health equity activists who work to dismantle racial capitalism. Racial capitalism. Wow. Uh, are you too dark? Do I need to lighten you? Do I need to brighten you up? Is Valeria too dark, ladies don't, and gentlemen? Don't, don't, uh, don't do this because I won't get health. What's that? I, I won't get any magical help if you will brighten me up. I, I want to be dark. <laughs> if if I if I brighten Valeria up too much, she'll be too white to get medical help. Yeah. So we gotta keep her dark. Okay, let's see here. This is called visual uh, video blackface. We're 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 using video to uh, darken Valeria up here so she can get medical help. <clears throat> if I need to. <clears throat> uh, okay, so dismantle racial capitalism. That's a great idea. Um, all while Equal Health continued its original work in Haiti, giving an air of humanitarian legitimacy to what became a radical group. So that's kind of what I was talking about before. Uh, this sort of legitimization or uh, legitimation, is it legitimation? Is that the word? I thought it was legitimization, le <laughs> legitimatization, legitimization, I don't know, something like that, uh, gives activists a foothold to further burnish their credentials. Morse went on to a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation fellowship that sent her to Washington, D.C. to work on health equity priorities with the House and Ways and Means Committee. By the time she became New York's chief medical officer, she had experience in both nonprofits and government, making her a prime candidate for the position. 
She was fully indoctrinated and ready to go. Once in power, activists are buoyed by a flood of foundation-funded studies to serve as uh, serve to justify their agenda. Race-conscious policies of the sort Morse advocated have found a home in prominent medical journals such as The Lancet, which in February released a Soros-supported report calling reparations a public health measure. These studies cite other forms of the same nonprofit complex, giving activism an air of academic legitimacy. So you kind of can see what's happening here. Uh, the same people who are pushing... Uh, the advancement of certain activists. They're also pushing these papers, and then the activists use the papers to justify their activism. And, uh, you know, the, it, basically it's all just... Uh, all, these, all these different elements are supporting each other to create this pretense mm -hmm. of legitimacy when it's all just basically activism. Um, uh, the Brigham and Women's Hospital proposal is a case in point. Every stage of the argument from diagnosis to prescription rests on foundation-funded critical race theory. The proposal borrows heavily from a paper, Critical Race Theory, Race, Equity, and Public Health Toward Anti-Racism Praxis. Praxis, there's another uh, nice esoteric word that they like to throw in. Uh, that was funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation and written by two health equity scholars. Anytime you see the word equity, you know the person's an a-hole. Uh, who who argue race-conscious programs are better than colorblind ones at reducing racial health disparities. No kidding. No kidding. Obviously, if you think, okay, well, this group is getting better health care than that group, you know, if this racial group, like, let's say white people are getting better health care than black, black people, don't look at income. Don't look at anything else. Don't look at any reason why maybe they're getting better health care. Just look at the fact that one's white, one's black, one's getting better health care than the other. Of course, then, if you say, well, we're just going to prioritize black people and give them better health care, of course, you're going to have greater equity. But that doesn't actually solve the problem or the reason why they're getting worse, worse health care. You got to look at that. But, but solving it the way they're doing it could be incredibly dangerous to black people. And yes. we'll get to that in a second. Um, by assuming the existence of institutional racism across American institutions, Morse's 2019 study reads, we can turn from research focused on documenting disparities and inequities to implementing research directed toward correcting them. So I'm almost done here, folks. The Brigham and Women's Health uh, Hospital Plan also calls for reparations as a form of medical restitu restitution, citing a paper that claims to model their effect on COVID-19 transmission, that paper which Morse co-authored was likely supported by nonprofits as well as government grants and rests on similar assumptions about institutional racism. Estimates of disease transmittability, the paper says, seldom capture oppressive social forces including institutionalized racism and sexism, an omission it describes as the symbolic violence of Roe. I don't even understand that at all. The symbolic violence of Roe. That doesn't even make sense. I'm sure it explains it in the article. Very clearly. Uh, since reparations weren't in place, ending coronavirus lockdowns had a disproportionate adverse mortality effect on black people and thus resembled a modern Tuskegee experiment. Give me a break. Just the way they express things is so BS. Maybe, maybe black people in America just are less healthy on average than white people in America. Maybe that's why it had a disproportionately adverse mortality effect. But it's a it's a modern Tuskegee experiment, as if people are intentionally infecting black people with COVID and trying to get them to die. Give me a break. Tuskegee experiment was, I think they um, intentionally withheld treatment from black men with syphilis just to see how it would affect the human body or something like that. It was pretty pretty disturbing. It was, in fact, 
a vicious thing that was absolutely immoral. Uh, but black people dying disproportionately of COVID is not anything like that. Um, but it is arguably doctors like Morse who are proposing medical experiments on the very same patients they're claiming to help. And this is what I was talking about, how this is going to hurt black people. If implemented, the pilot program at Brigham and Women's Hospital would be un an unprecedented act of social engineering rather than relying on provider discretion or patient self-advocacy to determine whether they should go to a cardio cardiology, they should go to cardiology or general medicine. Uh, instead of that, the program would encourage doctors to send black and Latino heart failure patients to cardiology every single time or more often uh, on the grounds that minorities are referred less, less often to cardiologists than white patients. But here's the problem with that. The hospital's own data suggests that this could backfire, causing worse outcomes for minority patients. Sorry, here's the, here's the reason for that. Between 2007 and 2018, black heart failure patients were more than three times as likely than white heart failure patients to have end-stage renal disease. Now, this requires a dialysis machine to treat. Excuse me. Since general care is used to refer patients for dialysis, patients with both heart and kidney failure may be better a better fit for general care. So they should be referred to general care. So sending them to a cardiologist instead could delay life-saving treatment. So that's that makes total sense. They're, they're prescribed uh, general care instead of a cardiologist, uh, a specialist. Oh, okay, and also this is another problem. It could also lead black patients to getting too much care rather than too little. And this is a common critique of the American medical system, that it funnels patients to specialists instead of general care practitioners, resulting in misdiagnoses and unnecessary treatments. Uh, that excess care can have fatal consequences. Medical error, this is, I didn't even know this until I read this article, this is shocking. Medical error is the third leading cause of death in the United States. So always get a second opinion, ladies and gentlemen. Do not just take your doctor's word for anything. Medical error is the third leading cause of death in America. So by increasing the rate at which black patients are referred to cardiac specialists, the program could hurt the very people it's meant to help. Uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital may not pursue this particular medical experiment, but her new role with the city of uh, New York, but in her new role with the city of New York, Morse will have plenty of test sus uh, subjects. So, I'm done with that article. Darling... Do you yes. have any reaction to this? No. Just just say racism is bad. Racism is bad. Yes, I agree. You're like a genius. So every time when I have nothing to say, can I say racism yeah, is bad? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Please do. We're doing something on like the environment or something completely unrelated. Climate change is real Biden one. <laughs> For YouTube monetization. Yes, yes, Susan. We agree with you. There is no problem with the election in 2020. Everything is perfect. Okay. Uh, we have one last story. Do you yes. want to read the headline? My pillow sues Dominion voting system oh. for $1.6 billion. I, I love this story. I love USA. this story. This is, this is like my favorite story. I love this because this so is Dominion a... Dominion system sues uh, my pillow guy and my pillow guy sues Dominion yeah. system for the same amount of money or more? Uh, 0.4 billion more. So 400, <laughs> 400 million more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what I call fighting back, guys. I mean, I'm constantly complaining that conservatives the best, don't... Best, um, best protection is attacking. Yeah, that's right. The best defense is a good offense. 
So they, they, they must I say that in Russia as well. I said it in Russian. Yeah, yeah he said it in the Russian. the best defense? Is the best defense is a good offense. Good offense. Offense? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Defense, offense, it's a sport thing. Offense. Okay. Yeah. Going on the de- going on the defense or going going on offense, I guess is going on offense is aggressively pushing forward, and defense is stopping people who are aggressively moving forward. Yeah, it works in makes sense battle terminology as well, war terminology. All right, let's see here. Let's read some of this. My pillow sues Dominion voting system for one point six billion. Boom! All right, my pillow. Sued Dominion Voting Systems on April 19th for $1.6 billion, asserting that the election technology company unlawfully interfered with free speech rights of CEO Mike Lindell. One of my favorite people. Such a cool guy. You know, I, I saw him at CPAC once, but I didn't say hi. I never. I, I don't think I've met him. Attorneys for MyPillow claim that Dominion has engaged in bullying of Lindell, a strong supporter of former President Donald Trump, over his attempts to speak out about allegations of fraud in the 2020 presidential election. In February, Dominion sued Lindell and his company for defamation, seeking $1.3 billion, which they will lose because Mike Lindell said what he believed was true. You can only defame somebody if you, if you know what you're saying is false. That's the only way you can mm-hmm. be sued for defamation. Defendants in their role as agents of the state administering public elections have concluded an ex- expansive, or sorry, have conducted an expansive illegal campaign, which was designed to and did punish and silence any voice that criticized or questioned the defendants' actions or products. The lawyer, the lawyers wrote in the 51-page suit, which was obtained by the Epoch Times. <clears throat> defendants' illegal campaign to punish and silence their critics violates the, the free speech clause of the First Amendment and is applied to the states and their political subdivisions and agents under the 14th Amendment. So what they're saying essentially is that because Dominion was working on behalf of the federal government, they were essentially acting as a a segment of the federal government. Once you're working for the federal government as a business, they're saying you you have to abide by the free speech laws that, that bind the federal government as well. You're not allowed to... Uh, infringe upon people's personal right to free speech. I don't know if that's true, but I certainly hope that it is. Um, I know there are some... Well, yeah, I certainly hope that this works for them. Let's see here. The suit was filed in the U.S. District Court in Minnesota, a court which will probably be burned down (laughs) soon. Let's see here. Uh, Lindell, uh, in a live stream on his new Frank Speech website on April 19th, called the matter the most important case in history for your First Amendment rights. I don't think that that website is is like ready for ready for prime time yet. I'm trying to get on it and to post things on it, and I can't seem to do that yet. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm I'm trying to use it. <laughs> I want to be posting on that website because. I, I like it. I think it's a, it looks cool, looks good, but it it doesn't. It's not quite ready. I'm trying to use it. And it's a little bit difficult. Dominion Legal Counsel Stephanie uh, Stephen ah, Stephanie Legal. Okay, for, okay. Sorry, I'm getting tired, folks. Late in the late in the day. Dominion Legal Counsel S- Stephen Shackelford told the Epoch Times via email, "This is a meritless retaliatory lawsuit filed by my pillow to try to distract from the harm it caused to Dominion." Yeah, that's what it is. Sure. Dominion makes election machines and related products. Its items are used in 28 states and Puerto Rico, according to the company. Dominion sued Lindell in February in court 
uh, federal court in Washington, lawyers said Lindell lied about links between Dominion and, and alleged election fraud. The company has also sued lawyer Sidney Powell and Fox News. It sent letters to dozens of other individuals and companies threatening lawsuits if certain conditions aren't met. A number of companies issued statements after receipt of the letter. American Thinker published uh, Thomas Lifson, sorry, American Thinker publisher Thomas Lifson, for example, told readers that his website published pieces that falsely accused Dominion of conspiring to steal the November 2020 election from Donald Trump. What a spineless little wimp. Let's, let's use that word. I mean, honestly, don't print retractions like that. Say, this is what we think is true. For crying out loud. The site apologized for publishing the stories. I don't apologize for anything that I've said on this show. If I'm wrong, I'll say I was wrong. But I don't believe I've been wrong about this or, you know, a lot of the things that I've said on the show. I, I, I don't really know. I'm sure there's something I've said that's wrong, but I'm not aware of it. Let's see here. In the news, oh, I was wrong about one thing. I was wrong when I said the mastermind behind AOC's election was uh, the guy from Young Turks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, janky Uger. He was not. He said he was, and I took his word for it, but he was not. He was lying. The mastermind was a guy named Zach Exley, uh, who's a brilliant, brilliant communist. <laughs> but he claims that he's not a communist, and he would be very angry with me for saying that. But that's my, that's how I perceive his, uh, his politics. Uh, let's see here. But in the new suit, my pillow, my pillow lawyers say in years leading up to the 2020 election, there was evidence that Dominion machines were vulnerable to being hacked. For example, a federal judge in Georgia in October uh, 2020 said some Dominion machines failed to register valid votes and weren't weren't being reviewed before being rejected, resulting in irreversible voter disenfranchisement. Both Dominion and MyPillow assert they lost business because of the respective lawsuits and are asking for damages as a result. Uh, yeah, my my hope is that. Dominion loses their lawsuit and Mike Lindell wins his lawsuit. That's my hope because I think that would be just. That's my belief. Darling, do you have anything to say about this particular story? Uh, Biden won. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're on the side of my pillow, YouTube overlords. I mean, we're, no, what was the other one? Dominion. We're on the side of Dominion, YouTube lo- overlords. We don't like my pillow or Mike Lindell. They are totally wrong. Dominion is totally right, and the election was totally fair. And go Biden. Build back better. Okay, hopefully that saves our monetization. <laughs> uh, all right. So what do we say, darling? Are we done with the news for today? Mm-hmm. All right, we are done with the news for today. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question or comment, please post it now. Uh, I can read Frank James here. What do you say? The mental gymnastics of the left. Okay. The mental gymnastics the left uses is Olympic. I love that. (laughs) That's actually very clever. Thank you, Frank James, for that. Uh, Frank James is in Canada. And I believe... I actually don't know what his little icon is. I I thought it was maybe a, a penguin, but it's hard to tell. I can't tell what that is, Frank. You'll have to pay us more money so you can tell us. <laughs> or just write at Toxic Masculinity and let us know. All right, so uh, what, do we, what else do we have, darling? It's a penguin. Oh, it's a penguin, okay. First super chat was from Imperial Cubator. Cubator. Before you read that, let me read these. Okay. Because I'm going to lose them. Uh, Gunnar Dunning said, uh, Thank God you're a true American, true conservative. 
and you don't back down for your belief and opinions. I stand with you. You're a great inspiration to me. Well, thank you, Gunnar. I, I, uh, you know, I think if you're a Christian, you grow up Christian, you learn to be, uh, uh, you know, fight for your principles. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of being a Christian. Uh, and so I think that's where that comes from. Let's see here. I don't think it's me. Uh, I think it's just, you know, how, how I was raised to some degree. Uh, T. Fez says, is everyone a millionaire who's building your Ferrari? Who's serving your filet mignon? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's a great point. That's a great point in that, like, most of the people who are, you know, most of the people in the world, whether or not they work for a major business or, you know, they, they have something to do with, like, high society, they're all just, most people are just average people just working to make a living, trying to be somewhat successful, mm -hmm. you know, and we should respect most people most of the time, but um, I still hate Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's see here frank james writes it's a penguin yeah okay um all right you want to read the other super chats yes we can okay i want to read the first super chat from imperial gubetire okay Oop. i don't know losing my wedding ring here not chicken and the egg it's both mm. about what i don't well, there's this question, this philosophical question. What came first, the chicken and the egg? Right? What, was there a chicken and then they laid an egg and had more chickens or was there an chicken. egg? Yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's, just a, it's just a thought experiment. There's not really, there's no answer to it really. But uh, uh, I think I mentioned earlier in the show that like, is it crazy leftists that cause crazy leftist policies? Or do late or do or do crazy leftist policies attract crazy leftists to vote for them? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think they're right. I think it's a bit of both. I think crazy leftist policies attract crazy leftists, and that creates newer, more crazy leftist policies. Uh, okay. So I think it's just yeah. It's Dale kind of a cycle. Sanders. Dale Sanders uh, uh, just sent ten bucks. Doesn't thank you, thank you Dale. That's awesome. Uh, Frank James, the mental gymnastics the left uses is Olympic. I I think you read this one right. Yeah. Okay. Then and that's it. And I'm still down 500 bucks on Dogecoin. But Valeria thinks it's going to jump up. So you guys just, uh, if you want to, that's a Russian thing she taught me. Uh, they don't just, uh, they don't just knock on wood. They spit and knock on wood. It's weird. Um, Okay, Otaku Magnet has asked you, Valeria, what yes. is Valeria's take on the Russian-Ukraine situation? Oh my gosh, I did not want you to pay attention to this question. I saw this question yesterday. I do not want to say anything about this situation. Well, I don't really like talk about politics, especially Russian-Ukrainian. Of course, I do not support what Russia is doing. Mm -hmm. It's terrible thing. It's been like so long since there is a war. And uh, it's just getting worse because when Trump was in office, they were like kind of. I mean, there was still some things going on, but now it's just getting worse. Yeah. What? I'm just playing with the cat. You can talk. I, I just don't know what to say because I do not support Russia. I think. Yeah, even though you are Russian. I'm Russian. I do not support Russia. 
Russian politics. No, I do not. Um, you know, it's a difficult thing to talk about. Uh, you know, we want to we want to be able to travel into Russia, but uh, Putin is definitely, you know, it's it's a power move. It's a power play. And you've got China's doing the same thing with Taiwan. I mean, the whole thing is just once Biden took office, everybody in the world knew we can do whatever we want and Biden won't do anything because <clears throat> he's not a strong leader. He's not a he's not a he's not somebody who's who's probably willing to do anything uh, uh, retaliatory or to do anything to, to make any kind of strong uh, push against us, you know, he just doesn't have the negotiating power. He doesn't know the tactics, the strategies. He doesn't. He's not a military mind. He's not anything. You know, I, I think they probably underestimate to some degree America's willingness to retaliate because we have more people than just Biden controlling things. Obviously, Biden doesn't do anything. Um, I will say that I do think that we're becoming a more of a military state now, even though we're we're taking troops out of Afghanistan. Um, and I'm going to probably do a video on this. Well, uh, Biden's going to send troops to Ukraine. Is he? Yeah, maybe. Well, so, but here's the thing. So we have some people in government now. One guy in particular, I forget who it was. I'm going to, I'm going to do a video on this, uh, at some point. Um, and I think he used to work for like, uh, one of the people, one of the businesses who have like a military contract with the United States. There is... You know what Kennedy talked about the 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 military industrial complex, right? Or was that Eisenhower? I don't remember. But uh, this idea that there is this massive um, network of industries in the United States that produce military equipment, weapons, and things like this that the the U.S. military will use against other countries, they will always make more money in war than they will in peace. So it's actually a benefit to these companies for America to go to war as often as possible and to intervene in other yeah. countries, uh, uh, other countries' wars, other countries' um, issues. And so these people, they want military, they want American troops going all over the world, policing the world all the time, so they can produce more and more weapons, more and more, uh, you know, stuff for the U.S. military. Uh, and uh, and so it's really dangerous to have people in office who are connected to these to these industries that supply uh, military stuff to the United States because they're always going to push for war. And you have one of these guys in Biden's cabinet. I don't remember what his name is. I'm going to have to look that up. But so it looks like the military industrial complex is going to become a huge manipulator of American policy in the coming years through the uh, Biden administration, uh, whereas Trump didn't have that problem. Trump was not beholden to anyone, and he wasn't going to just listen to somebody because they wanted to improve their their corporate interests. Um, Taku Magnet says, I am not supportive of Putin, but I do acknowledge that he has done a lot to hold Russia together. After the USSR fell, I can't imagine anyone else that could have done as much. I'm not sure that's true. My friend said the same same thing. That's what Russians think. That's why they keep electing Putin. But the truth is, is nobody keeps electing Putin, Chris. He keeps electing himself. Well, sure, but a lot of people are voting he for Putin. Not... You know that. You know a lot of people in Russia do vote for Putin. They do support Putin. <laughs> you don't think so? Well, but here's the thing. the The question always he is: He was done 12 years ago. The the question always is: Could somebody have done it better? And you never really know that because nobody else got a chance. But my guess is there are people who could have done it much better than Putin. Um, but nobody ever got the chance, right? Because Putin was this... Nobody will allow those people even like 
Yeah. Say that they're going to run for president, so just getting killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you got to think about how much control the Russian mafia has in Russia. I mean, the Russian mafia, is, you know, that's this is a huge problem. You have organized crime in Russia. You have you have a lot of um, what do you call it? Like, if you get stopped by a police officer, you have to give him a bribe, right? I mean, bribery is the way Russia works right now. Um, that is not a healthy country where every every uh, officer is bribed, every official is bribed. That's Putin's Russia, right? That's his legacy. Uh, I don't think that that is a win. I don't think it that's has, positive. You have uh, corruption in the U.S. too, but it's just a bigger, more money. Oh, just, the, come on, it's nothing higher like Russia. Levels. Yeah, but only only Democrats. <laughs> All right, and on that bombshell, um, I think it's time to go. Uh, we love our subscribers we love our viewers if you if you haven't subscribed please do if you've unsubscribed which i think is possible that people unsubscribe because you get too many notifications please subscribe but just don't click the notification bell because we post i think something like 10 10 videos a day because we're we cut up these into like little videos and then we repost them so don't don't hit the notification bell for our for our videos because you're going to just get a ton for you can hit the notification bell for uh mr reagan not for toxic masculinity. You're going to get too many notifications per day. But do subscribe, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Um, same toxic time, same toxic channel. Valeria, do you want to say goodbye? Goodbye. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Toxic masculinity.